In part one of my interview with Dr. Mark Chen, episode 212, we talked about his advocacy work for Taiwan in the U.S. and the impact of the Kaohsiung incident on Taiwan's democratization. Several of the people tried and sentenced in connection with the Kaohsiung incident later became prominent leaders in Taiwan's first opposition party, the Democratic Progressive Party. The incident happened 43 years ago in 1979 on December 10th, which just passed. So we thought it would be a good time to share part two of my interview with Dr. Chen. In the second half of my interview with Dr. Chen, we talked about his work in Taiwan as an elected official and public servant. Dr. Chen became a member of the Legislative Yuan in 1992. That year was the first time elections were held for all 161 seats of the Legislative Yuan in Taiwan. He has also been elected Magistrate of Tainan County and served in that position from 1993 to 2001. He was the Minister of Foreign Affairs from 2004 to 2006, the Secretary General in the Office of the President from 2006 to 2007, the Secretary General of the National Security Council from 2007 to 2008, and a legislator in Taiwan's Legislative Yuan from 2001 to 2004 and 2012 to 2016. Currently, he is the chairman of the Prospect Foundation. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by NATOA, the North America Taiwanese Women's Association. NATOA was founded in 1988, and its mission is, one, to evoke a sense of self-esteem and enhance women's dignity, two, to oppose gender discrimination and promote gender equality, three, to fully develop women's potential and encourage their participation in public affairs. Four, to contribute to the advancement of human rights and democratic development in Taiwan. Five, to reach out and work with women's organizations worldwide to promote peace for all. To learn more about NADWA, visit their website, www.natwa.com. Without further ado, Here's our interview. It seems like you've lived through a lot of important historical moments because I know that you were part of the 1992 election for Taiwan's legislative yuan, the first time that it, there was a direct election for the legislative yuan. And was that the first time that you returned to Taiwan or were you able to return before that? Uh, as I mentioned uh, real early, I wasn't able to return to Taiwan because yeah. of my political uh, belief, yes. and I was mm -hmm. uh, forbidden by the yes. then Taiwan government under martial law. So after the uh, Taiwan became, uh, I would say, opened up under former President Li Denghui, he uh, opened up the uh, so-called the uh, Taiwan society and allowing uh, uh, more people to enjoy the so-called normal life compared to uh, what uh, people had under the martial law. So because of the Denghui's uh, presidency, uh, he started open up the Taiwan society. So, so then he started allowing uh, overseas Taiwanese people one time being blacklisted, including myself, 
been able to return to their own native hometown. So I was taking that opportunity uh, back in uh, 19, uh, I think 1992, end of 1992, earlier 1993, I resigned. I gave up my position as the uh, employee of the, uh, uh, the U.S. government, uh, Department of Commerce. So I, I, I resigned it, and I thought maybe it's time. Uh, I can maybe use my past uh, uh, decades experience uh, in politics in, uh, in, in the USA. Maybe I can contribute some of it to my own native homeland. And uh, during that time, it, it was an occasion I was able to return. So my friend uh, here in Taiwan, they heard about my uh, past work, just like you mentioned. They encouraged me to uh, participate in the local elections. So I was born uh, in Tainan County, Dairam, Tainan County, in southern part of Taiwan. And uh, so uh, I, I actually, when, when I returned, my first job was to be the congressman in Taiwan. And, but uh, uh, I served in that capacity. Uh, it was congressman at large. I didn't, I didn't uh, uh, pursue the position uh, by public elections. It was a kind of uh, uh, a system adopted by then the government, so I was given a position from overseas Taiwanese people coming back from overseas to fill one seat. So I served in that capacity only a couple of months. Then happens to be the local election was coming up nationwide in Taiwan. So many people, they heard about my name. They encouraged me to join the fight to, uh, uh, to, to, to uh, seek the county governor, Tainan Xian Xianzang, Dairam Guan Tiong. Okay, Tainan Xianzang. So I was really hesitant uh, to follow that kind of advice, but uh, in the end, I was succumbed to tremendous pressure. They said, well, you can try it. Don't worry about it. We will be uh, backing you up and so forth. So therefore, uh, in that kind of a political atmosphere, I finally, I said, okay, I will give it a try. So Dakri, I was uh, elected. And uh, that was a historical uh, uh, mark because they are in Tainan County. Uh, from the very beginning up to the point where I was elected, all the county governor or Xianzang were all belonged to the Kuomintang Party, KMT Party. Yes. Nobody yes. else was been able to break that kind of tradition. So I was mm -hmm. the first one uh, holding the 
Democratic Party, the, 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 the mm. DPP, mm -hmm. uh, as candidate to participate in that elections, and, and I was elected to become the first non-KMT uh, county governor. So that was also uh, a, another kind of uh, history that uh, I made. So yeah, I did a good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did a good job, and because I was able to uh, receive the support of the majority of people in the county, so uh, very soon uh, I was on top of the nationwide county governors, uh, you know, top list. I was. Uh, they have some kind of. Uh, uh, public polls every year. So I was always on the top, number one, the best county governor around Taiwan. So mm -hmm. I served in that capacity for two terms, mm -hmm. uh, a total of eight years. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, I think, uh, 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 as you recall, the uh, president, uh, president, Dan uh, Zuibin, Chen Yes, yes. President Chen was elected president. So yes. in the middle of my second term, President Chen Sui-bin invited me to take the place of being the Minister of Foreign Affairs. So I went to serve as the Minister of Foreign Affairs. But before that, after my, uh, my term was over as the county governor, I was uh, elected become the member of the Congress. Uh, we call the Di Hua Yuan, Legislative Yuan here in Taiwan. Yes. So Chen Shui-bian asked me to serve as the uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs. So I have to give up my Di Hua Yuan the position, Di oh, Hua Yuan. Okay. So I right. served as the Minister of Foreign Affairs. Having served as the Minister of Foreign Affairs, could you share about any of the diplomatic challenges that you dealt with and had to handle during that time? And how did you resolve them? Well, as you understand it, uh, Taiwan was in a position very difficult to extend, to expand uh, its own uh, diplomatic, diplomatic contact with the, uh, our counterparts around the whole world uh, because of the uh, kind of uh, uh, threat and uh, unlimited uh, actions on the part of uh, People's Republic of China uh, that uh, make a very difficult make it very difficult for Taiwan's government to able to uh, smoothly execute its own foreign relations uh, uh, affairs so under that kind of situation uh, Nobody who is appointed to be the uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, I think uh, it is always encountering a very difficult job and the uh, same thing applies to me. But uh, our position is we try our best, try to sell our value because we believe in uh, basic uh, principles uh, of uh, democracy. But uh, the other side across the Taiwan Strait the China's position is different because China is empowering its own position uh, uh, as a uh, as a 
uh, as a, a major power in the uh, uh, United Nations. And for us, I think uh, Taiwan has only maintained a few countries uh, with the diplomatic ties. So under these circumstances, we have to worry about uh, maybe through the pressure given by the People's Republic of China, some country near, uh, sometime something would happen, try to cut off the diplomatic tie uh, with Taiwan, and that always happened. So uh, being the Minister of Foreign Affairs, this is one of the tasks, uh, one of the difficult jobs we have to encounter, and we have to be able to, to, to uh, prevent uh, that from happening. And besides, but uh, uh, during my tenure as the uh, foreign minister, I was also trying to, very hard, to create or try to develop some other uh, relations with some new countries. Hopefully we can uh, make good friends, but uh, that kind of effort uh, was very much uh, limited. So this is, uh, roughly speaking, this is the uh, uh, difficulties we've been encountering all the years in the past. I'll just give you one example. Uh, I don't want to name the, the name sure. of the countries, but uh, mm -hmm. I I went to a small country uh, to uh, kind of uh, regularly trying to uh, maintain in such a way that uh, those countries would not be uh, impacted in a negative way through the uh, Chinese pressure, I mean the People's Republic of China's pressure to uh, disrupt uh, the diplomatic tie with Taiwan. So that country, I went down there and I sat down uh, with the uh, president of the country, yeah. Uh, but uh, interesting to, enough, uh, the, the, the conversation, in the course of the conversation, uh, my counterpart down there always, always emphasized the point, saying, well, if I don't feel them, he said, if, if uh, so-called the Taiwan government won't, won't feed him, he said, uh, somebody is going to feed him. And so he said, well, I'm hungry. He told me several times, yeah, I'm hungry. If you don't feed me, somebody is going to feed me. I said, well, I'm coming over here try to uh, show our friendly relations with you. Uh, within the limit of our power, uh, we certainly, uh, based on the friendship, uh, relations or connections, we will try my best or our country's best to help you out. So finally, I said, uh, you keep saying you are hungry. And uh, I said, well, maybe, maybe you, can, you can make it much more clearer. Uh, you can list some kind of uh, uh, items you need our help, which he did. I said, okay, I, I cannot decide upon by myself as a, a foreign minister, but I would bring back this list to talk to somebody uh, higher, higher level, in higher level, uh, including our president, well, which he did. He gave me a list of the the, the, the items that, items that uh, he uh, hoped that we can uh, help. So I took that list back home and I talked to 
uh, some higher uh, up people. But uh, before we started, I said, I said, well, we may not have to think seriously about this list because uh, when I was sitting with him, uh, talking to him, he keeps saying he's, hung, he's hungry, somebody's hungry, uh, feed him if we don't. So I said, well, if we, if we are able to feed him this time, uh, to his satisfaction, maybe some years later, something will happen again. He will come back and say, well, he's hung, hungry again. So I recommend to my president, I say, well, maybe just forget about it. Uh, but uh, certainly we'll continue what we can do. So this is kind of situation happened. And this is kind of difficult think, uh, that uh, from our perspective, that happens quite often. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure people often wonder this because it's uh, it's not like it hasn't been reported in the news, but we also we always wonder about the money diplomacy. And so, on the other hand, we should probably give a lot of credit to the countries that have maintained diplomatic relations with Taiwan. Uh, that Hopefully, you can say the ones that still have diplomatic relations with Taiwan are very sincere, are our sincere allies. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's a very difficult position to be in. Thank you for your candidness about that. Yeah, well, uh, of course, I think the majority of the uh, friendly countries maintaining uh, contact with us, maintaining the official time with us, they are very good friends, really, indeed, good friends. Uh, <coughs> they would uh, do all their best uh, to support us, to recommend that Taiwan should be uh, allowed to uh, attend, to join all the international uh, communities, international organizations. And uh, we are really uh, appreciative of that kind of uh, help from our uh, friendly nations. But uh, I'm just giving you one example that one is it's an exceptional case. That, mm -hmm. uh, but that, I mean, something of that nature could happen sometimes, and that creates some difficulties. And the reason behind it is, I think, because the People's Republic of China government is behind trying to incent that kind of actions. And so that sometimes happens. And that is also one of the difficulties that we've been encountering into. Mm -hmm. Right, meaning that the People's Republic of China, maybe they're offering some incentives or um, they're the ones that are using the money diplomacy. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. I mean, there's no question about it. They are the one behind it. They're trying to, mm -hmm. they're trying to do all their best, trying to show the rest of the world Taiwan is not a country because nobody recognizes Taiwan. And that is the purpose of their uh, uh, diplomatic uh, uh, Isolation, yeah. Yeah. So. Could you talk about your work as a legislator in Taiwan's Legislative Yuan? The uh, Legislative Yuan here in Taiwan, we have uh, uh, different, uh, uh, di uh, many, many different branches. Uh, like we have the, uh, uh, well, to be uh, briefly speaking, uh, there are many uh, 
National Defense Branch and sometimes together with other like internal affairs branch and some economic branch and so forth. Because of the background that I had in the past, I choose to be in the foreign affairs. Of course, that is connect with the defense department. So our basic responsibility is trying to to kind of contact the the or try to pay more attention to the defense-related uh, uh, prospect. Uh, the, uh, through that, I think the most important thing is uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, United States government always uh, asks or help that the Taiwan government uh, can spend uh, uh, maybe uh, 3% of our, uh, our yearly budget. Uh, for the sake of uh, defending our own national security. So uh, that is one of the, 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 the responsibilities that uh, as the, a member in the legislative union, we have to be sure that uh, our government would be live up to that kind of uh, level to satisfy our uh, friends, like uh, basically the most important thing is, uh, important friend is of course the United States. And uh, uh, the, the other major thing is we have to make sure the budget uh, the government has advocated to buy weapons and so forth can be passed in our Congress. So that was uh, basically my responsibility during that period of time because I was more interested in the national defense and the security issues. So I spent most of the years in, in, in that session. So uh, we, we, of course, uh, they're, they're, they're up and down uh, over the years. Also, you were a legislator in Taiwan's legislative yuan from 2012 to 2016, and that was a very interesting period of time because I remember that the Sunflower Movement happened in 2014. So I was very curious to know what was that time like for you and how did the occupation of the legislative yuan impact you as a legislator. I have talked to uh, activists that were involved with the Sunflower Movement, but I've never spoken to someone who is an actual legislator at that time. So I would be very interested to know how that impacted you and then if you would be able to share some of your personal thoughts and refl reflections on the impact of the Sunflower Movement. That was connected to, to uh, the a, a policy, uh, I, I can't remember. I think that before, the ECFA, right? ECFA, yeah, we, the, we one, the cross-strait trade agreement? Yeah, it's, 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 that was under former President Ma Ying-jeou. Under President Ma Ying-jeou. So yeah, ECFA is, uh, maybe there was something after ECFA, 
But the, the point is, is that kind of package has been passing in, in Taiwan's uh, Congress, it would allow many more Chinese from mainland to come to Taiwan using that opportunity to come to uh, engage in their own dairy business with Taiwan. But that, on the other hand, that would create also a security problem in the long run. So therefore, the, the DPP party was uh, strongly object to the passage of that uh, bill in our Congress. But uh, uh, the, the way it is going on, uh, it is very difficult, difficult to block it from happening. Therefore, something has to be something uh, uh, drastically has to be done, and uh, that's why the sunflower movement came in. So, resulting in a group of uh, younger generations, uh, basically most of them they were students. They came in uh, without the consent of uh, the policemen. They broke in into the office into the legislative auditorium and they occupied it trying to prevent our dairy operation on uh, business from going. So through that kind of uh, uh, interruption, the ECFA-related issues could be stopped. And so that happens. And of course, once that happened, the students they control the the whole hall uh, conference room therefore there was no uh, opportunity for the uh, meeting to be carried out so that continues for almost i think uh, one whole month and i was the member of the uh, dpp so in order to protect those younger students, we, we took turn, turns try to guard against the, the uh, potential intruder uh, from outside to break in to kind of uh, disperse the students inside the hall. So that has been like a, a tug of war for I would call maybe more than one month. Yes. Yeah, and, and but my uh, Jo as the president, uh, he called upon the students to disperse, to go back to their own respective jobs, but nobody listened to him. Mm -hmm. Well, the point is the so strong, very strong point is they say, unless you give up the EPA-related things, otherwise we will continue to occupy it. Because this is for the for the security for the future yes. of uh, Taiwan, therefore they insist in occupying, uh, and then they they, they they just live there 24 hours, yeah. and we of course we support them, yeah. mm -hmm. and uh, that created a, a whole I think uh, almost 
whole nations, they focus on this point, and uh, all kinds of uh, foods, uh, helps come in, uh, in, in, in almost on, on the early minutes, on the, on the hourly basis. So that was a tremendous movement. And uh, yeah, if you don't mention it, I almost forget about it. That's what, 2014 24, years. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah, because I realized when I looked yeah. at um, your record and what you've done, I looked at those dates and I remembered, oh, that was during the Sunflower Movement. And I was actually in Taiwan at that time. Yeah. So I remember that time in witnessing the legislative Yuan being surrounded by hundreds and hundreds, I don't even know, maybe a thousand of people every day for the entire occupation. Outside of that area, people were gathered there um, to show their support and people were talking publicly and it was quite a movement. Do you have any thoughts on what the impact of the Sunflower Movement, the long-lasting impact, has been? The impact is quite uh, positive. Uh, finally, uh, the, 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 uh, the kind of uh, package uh, proposed by Ma ying was uh, finally delivered. So that was it. Through through the students' movement, so-called sunflower movement, they were able to stop mm -hmm. that kind of issues mm -hmm. uh, from being uh, carried on. So that was a real fortunate, positive uh, result. So uh, we were quite happy about it. But the point is, had not through the younger students' uh, courage to deter, to show their willingness to uh, be part of the the, the, the movement. Uh, I don't think uh, the legislative member alone uh, from the DPP can stop it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you think that um, affected uh, the political landscape and the a generation of young Taiwanese people? And like, because there's now we have different parties, um, the state building party and a, a lot of different parties and then time when got elected, you think that had some kind of impact on the political landscape of Taiwan? Uh, I think uh, that is one uh, most uh, talked about uh, successful uh, political story uh, and, and that from my own perspective I think I think uh, that also called upon the whole nations to testify that everybody has the responsibility to guard against Taiwan's security not only the, the responsibility of the legislative members. When something of that nature happens, everybody should jump in to uh, just pitch in to show you are part of the concern and your strength for the security of the nation. 
So that was, mm -hmm. I think, uh, the most impressive uh, uh, result uh, that I myself would uh, uh, think about. And now for a short break. Hello listeners, I'm excited to announce that I recently interviewed Robert Tao, founder of UMC, who's been making lots of news headlines. In August, he pledged to donate 100 million US dollars to help Taiwan defend itself. If you'd like exclusive first listening access to my interview with Mr. Tao, simply make a donation of $25 or more to Talking Taiwan at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support. All of our donors, past, present, and future, will also get first listening access to my interviews with Chin Chi Yang, a multidisciplinary artist who has been inducted into the New York Foundation for the Arts Hall of Fame, and Michelle Kuo, an attorney, activist, and author of Reading with Patrick, which is a runner-up for the Dayton Literary Peace Prize and the Goddard Riverside Stefan Russo Book Prize for Social Justice. We'd also like to congratulate all the winners of the artwork from our event, A Night with Master Cartoonist Guy Gilchrist. If you missed the event, you can still experience Guy's artistry by watching the recorded replay of Talking Taiwan's YouTube channel or listen to highlights from the event in episode 214. We are so grateful for all of your support and our growing listenership. Now, back to the episode. So you've been both an elected official and a public servant in Taiwan at the highest levels of government. Do you prefer being an elected public official or a public servant, and why? <laughs> well, I think this is a very difficult uh, uh, question for me to answer, because I think uh, if I'm, well, you, you are right. I mean, after I returned from the United States, I spent up to this point about 30 years already. Mm -hmm. So in the last 30 years, um, uh, almost half the time I was uh, associated with the government. Uh, and the other, more than half the time, I was uh, in the elective uh, positions in mm -hmm. the legislative union. And of course, I was elected to be two terms, served eight years as the uh, county governor mm -hmm. of, of Tainan in mm -hmm. southern part of Taiwan. So each position, of course, has different uh, responsibility, different job. But uh, I myself, I think this 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 question always comes to me. Uh, many of many of my friends would ask me the same question that you ask me. Mm -hmm. But uh, my my belief is, no matter which position you are given, uh, like the the administrative position that was appointed by higher up, like a president and so forth. Mm -hmm. So if you are given that kind of position, you should do your best. And that's a chance for you to serve uh, your country and you should do your best. And when you are, when like myself, when, I'm, I, when I was elected out of my own to become the legislative member, I represent the the, 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 the people at large. So I should uh, try to uh, be able to communicate 
to to my uh, so-called the constituents, ask them about what they needed, and getting some opinion from them. So, another one, no matter which position I am in, one <coughs> basic uh, belief is just do what you can and be honest and be, uh, be very, very uh, sensitive to understand the need of the people. So that reminds me, uh, suddenly reminds me of one thing, uh, maybe I'll was, I was say at this point, I said, uh, when I was in the uh, USA, <coughs> uh, as, I call, as I recall, it was all sometime back in 1965, I think, or 64. Uh, during that time, uh, John F. Kennedy was already passed away. But uh, I happened to be uh, listening to a tape from one of his speech. So when John F. Kennedy was the president, was president, <clears throat> uh, one day he was asked by some constituents to John F. Kennedy, President Kennedy, asking him, say, well, Mr. President, as the president, how do, you, how do you contact, how do you carry out your responsibility? People ask him. So President John F. Kennedy, he said, well, two things. There's two things. He said, uh, uh, first, the, the uh, foreign affairs. He said, if I don't do well in foreign affairs, I may lose my country. Secondly, if I don't <clears throat> domestic thing, the domestic uh, job, if I don't do well in domestic affairs, I may lose my party. I repeat it. He said, if I don't do well in foreign affairs, I may lose my country. Secondly, if I don't do well in, 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 in the internal domestic affairs, my party will be replaced by some other party. So the kind of talk he was, talk, he was speaking was, was during uh, the so-called the uh, uh, what what the the, the Cuban, Cuban crisis, Cuban crisis. Yeah. Yes. So during the Cuban crisis, that was the the, the the time. So he was worried about the you know Cuban crisis because the Russians sent in uh, the uh, modern. Uh, weapons stationed in in, 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 in Cuba. Mm -hmm. So he said, if I don't do well in, 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 in foreign affairs, I may lose my country. And that was the point. Mm -hmm. So that always uh, been in my mind. I returned from the United States back to Taiwan. And the same thing happened. 
I say I will help my country if we don't do well in foreign affairs. Taiwan may lose, but China is do doing every possible way to try to sink Taiwan, try to take, take Taiwan out of the map of the world. Then Taiwan is a democracy now, so if I don't do well, if our government DPP don't do well, our party is going to lose, and so some other party, which of course is KMT, is going to repress. Then that is even more dangerous situations, because if we don't do well here, then China is so close to Taiwan. Taiwan will be lost. So we should be doing every possible way to have good foreign relations with our with our friends and do well at home to satisfy our own people, hoping they can continue to support DPP. So that is also my pity. Thank you very much for sharing that. I'm not sure if you realize this, but here in the U.S. it's still November 22nd. <clears throat> and November 22nd is the day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And um, it's something that I realized because I just came from watching a film, a documentary film about JFK. And um, today is the anniversary of that fateful day that he was assassinated. So it's actually quite timely that you mentioned this. Um, thank you for that. Dr. Chen also talked about what he thinks Taiwan needs to do in the face of China's military threat and aggression. One thing is quite uh, uh, unique is, although we are a, here in Taiwan, we are a young democracy, but uh, over the last several ten turnout in the presidential uh, elections, uh, we have never even had a, a drop of uh, blood being uh, shared. I mean, we all been able to conduct the, the, the political process in a very peaceful manner. And, uh, and that was quite uh, remarkable. Uh, as, as, as I think about it. And this mm -hmm. is not from my own, uh, own judgment. Uh, many foreign countries leaders, they still, they think well, Taiwan is a, a model uh, of uh, democracy because uh, uh, regardless uh, uh, of the KMT's president or, or DPP's presidential elections, uh, there was not even one drop of uh, uh, blood shed, I think, in, in the election process. So in a peaceful manner, transitions always yeah. been able to, to conduct in a real peaceful manner. But in the end, I believe uh, the basic uh, concern here in Taiwan, politically speaking, is we, we have to be able to uh, stand unified with the like-minded uh, nations, such as the USA, Canada, European, the NATOs, and so forth. And uh, in order to win those people's support, we have to uh, ask ourselves, number one, 
what can we do? What shall we do? If we don't do well, if we don't do ourselves, it will be difficult to rely upon outside help. So this is number one, we got to be able to determine to stick to the principle. We are the ones. We have to be our own uh, uh, future. If you don't do well, nobody's coming to help you. If you don't have that kind of determination, uh, no one is able to help you because if you can't stick to uh, maintain your own military power in such a way to influence our friends' belief that you are willing to fight for yourself, then no one would be able to come to your help. Yes. And this is a prime example yes. of what happened in, in uh, uh, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, six months ago, mm -hmm. uh, I don't believe many people would think Ukraine would be able to stand so long to resist mm -hmm. the uh, incoming invasion by Russia. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. uh, because what they have done really uh, cultivated uh, a kind of uh, uh, strong belief that Ukraine is worth supporting for many, many reasons. So yeah. this kind of lessons uh, Taiwanese people have to learn mm -hmm. uh, from what happens in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, this is a good opportunity for me to just point out uh, uh, through your uh, interviewing with me today. I, I, I cannot emphasize more. Uh, for instance, I think in recent years, uh, in, uh, just a couple, couple of days or a couple of weeks ago, USA, they passed a law, uh, Taiwan Policy Act, I think. In that yes. Taiwan Policy Act, that was quite helpful to Taiwan. But still, the basic point is what our position is, Taiwan. What can we do? Uh, how much are we going to be uh, increasing our uh, military budget? Uh, to 2% or 3% and so forth. And so, uh, well, in the end, as the Chinese all proverb were saying, that uh, uh, they were Chinese words, they said, you help yourself, then you can help others, and the others can come to help you. Mm -hmm. So, so that is a key point. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you're doing with the Prospect Foundation now and how the work that you're doing in Taiwan is different from when you were in the U.S. advocating for Taiwan. Prospect Foundation. Yes. Uh, this foundation has been established, I think, uh, quite some time now, uh, with the purpose of trying to uh, contact with uh, like-minded people, trying to learn something from them and to exchange ideas and so forth. So from that kind of process, we can uh, propagate uh, our belief uh, and we can talk about our uh, basic uh, uh, belief as 
as as as a nation. I, I'm not saying that we represent government as a nation, but I'm saying that as a, a foundation, that is our obligations to collect information from from our counterpart. Uh, that include the foundation from USA, Japan, Canada. Yeah, like I think you mentioned that uh, I, me I met you one time uh, in Ottawa. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah. So, th yes. so that was the purpose of going to visit uh, with your foundation there in Ottawa and and also in Europe. And uh, uh, because the uh, the the whole world is changing in such a rapid way. So the sharing of the uh, information, particularly in light of what happens in uh, Ukraine and Russia, the information sharing is uh, so vital to the success of uh, no matter what you do, particularly in a battlefield. So we'd like to collect information. Of what would be the next? Somebody say, well, after Ukraine, maybe it's Taiwan. So it's it's a it's a lot talked about issues about Taiwan. So many scholars, uh, many political observers uh, from different uh, uh, organizations, different uh, foundations. Uh, for instance, in the Washington D.C. area, there are so many uh, foundations. They have mm -hmm. done a lot of work correct informations and we can share those informations and in the hope after we collect those information we can make it up and we can uh, try to come up with some kind of uh, suggestions and we can present to our higher up government you know, officials uh, to make them uh, uh, do it as a reference uh, uh, to uh, secure the future of Taiwan. So basically, this is kind of uh, uh, functions that we are performing. And for and another thing is, this is a way I understand myself. As you understand Taiwan, because of uh, Chinese uh, suppression, uh, we are not able to have as many countries. Uh, Recognitions officially with Taiwan. Right, official allies. Yeah. yeah. So in that in 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 that case, uh, no official relationship, a lack of official relationship. We have to find a way out, and the foundation is uh, a way to contact uh, different people from different countries, different organizations, and so this is another uh, way out. So uh, our foundation is quite busy. Uh, uh, in the past uh, three years, basically I have uh, to travel uh, to the world uh, on the average maybe 10 times per year. I have wow. to go to USA, mm -hmm. to Canada, to Australia, mm -hmm. to India, mm -hmm. and so forth, mm -hmm. to join all kind of discussions with our counterpart. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. because of the uh, coronavirus, yes. uh, up to this point, close to three years, I haven't been able to ride on airplane. Uh, 
So, like today, we have to use this kind of uh, communication system. Yes. Yeah. So, so this is basically our function is trying to collect more information and tell uh, about our idea to be shared by our friends. And hopefully we can, through that kind of process, we can become good friends. We can solidify our effort to share the same opinion, same value. And uh, so in case of emergency, we can help out each other. But without commitment, without understanding, without contact, it's hard to, 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 to understand you. So through this well, kind of foundations process. Yeah. yeah. Well, it also requires a close, uh, closely working with the government, right? The government of Taiwan, whoever may be in power. Otherwise, um, if the government is not uh, willing to either collaborate or listen to your suggestions, then a lot of your work could be in vain. Yeah, well, the... Very important. The, of course, I think... Uh, what we got uh, through the process of uh, communicating with the uh, different uh, other counterparts, mm -hmm. we can collect those information, we can write it up, then and we can make some kind of judgment, and then finally make recommendations to our government, mm -hmm. and uh, hoping they can use this kind of information uh, to uh, apply to their own uh, diplomatic diplomatic uh, uh, approach uh, and, and so forth and this is uh, uh, another way of uh, explaining the function of uh, yes uh, our, 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 so, our foundation right so your foundation is primarily interested in Taiwan security globally like do you look at um, some of the challenges for Taiwan society in general or more domestically? Well, of course, in the process of uh, communicating with our counterpart, uh, they have asked us about the, uh, the, our, our, our local political situations because they, all, they also want to understand our uh, political structure. They want mm -hmm. to understand the local people's opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, if we say, okay, now, we don't believe uh, 92 consensus is real, then maybe somebody outside of Taiwan, through the KMT's propagation, maybe they have different opinions. They want to say, well, uh, how many people support KMT's uh, 92 consensus and so forth. So we got to be able to combine the local parties and the international uh, kind of uh, uh, informations. Uh, put together, and uh, there's one thing I can I can uh, I have to uh, amplify is many people believe our friends they believe Taiwan is the place uh, where their people their government understand China the best and the most. They, they believe if you want to understand China, you have to come to Taiwan. If you want to understand China, you have to have come some kind of contact with uh, uh, the organizations here in Taiwan. Because Taiwan was, uh, from the beginning, Chiang Kai-shek came over, and Chiang Kai-shek was uh, trying very hard to, to take over Taiwan, to, to recover 
men in China and so forth. And uh, so this kind of uh, tradition left over. And we, same, we, we speak the same language and uh, they are some kind of uh, uh, political uh, tradition. Yeah. Yeah, and so and Taiwan invested so much money in men in China. Uh, like the Tiananmen Square, uh, I think in 1989 or 87, I can't remember quite well. Uh, many people, they start pulling off their investment from China, pulling out. The Taiwanese people, they went in, uh, they, they, they put in a lot of money, invested in men in China. So there was a, a professor, I think, uh, uh, or a researcher used to be working for U.S. Congress uh, uh, library, and I recall I think he had a published one paper. He said uh, uh, during that period of time, he said of of 100 bucks being invested in China, Taiwanese people, Taiwanese investment occupied about 50 percent of it. 50 percent oh, wow. of the investment into China was right. from Taiwan. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, because after Tiananmen Square, nobody wanted to get yes. in, and the Taiwanese people they went in. And then he added, of the hundred percent of the of the items uh, circulated around the, the world market, he said fifty percent of these uh, items were being made by Taiwanese people, businessmen invested in China. So it's a big amount of investment in in China. Mm -hmm. So, but then the situation is different now. Many Taiwanese uh, businessmen, they are returning back from many China. They want to come back to Taiwan. And this is not only happens to, to Taiwanese uh, industry uh, companies, uh, this also applies to uh, some of the countries too. Uh, like in Japan, uh, same thing happens because they, mm -hmm. they, they found out the uh, investment atmosphere or the kind of conditions in China is not as good as it used to be now. And uh -huh. under under the dictatorship, uh, mm -hmm. Xi Jinping, I think mm -hmm. uh, it's it's mm -hmm. it's no guarantee. Yeah, you, yeah. you can you can you can you can save to keep your profit, so mm -hmm. they can change at any any moment. It's been reported a lot about um, the founder of UMC, Robert Tsao's donation, large donation to civil defense in Taiwan. What are your thoughts about that? His name is Cao 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 Xingzheng. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's a. Uh, I think it's a good news from the uh, Taiwanese perspective, uh, and uh, yeah, he, it's quite a, a quite a guy, and, and uh, he's now very popular here in Taiwan. He almost appears every day in, 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 in talk show, and uh, yeah, you are right. He promised to invest a lot of money. And try to to call upon the people to wake up the people here in Taiwan uh, through his own public experience because he invested in China a long time ago and a lot of money there and he must have uh, experienced a lot of uh, un, un, uh, present uh, uh, event and uh, that make him believe that kind of system, that kind of uh, communist government is not suitable for people and particularly for the entrepreneur like him. So he has now become a strong man, uh, calling for a strong uh, kind of uh, unity here in Taiwan to deter the potential aggressions from China. And uh, so 
what he did was uh, he not only just talk through his mouth, he has the action. He said, I want to uh, give the Taiwanese society such such amount of money to encourage people to follow up and uh, don't believe the kind of uh, uh, propaganda or the false information spread out by China. So I think uh, he's more powerful than anybody else in Taiwan in recent months because he has gone through he has gone through that kind of process been uh, maybe being cheated or maybe mm-hmm. being mistreated under that kind of communist party controlled government they don't care what people think so this kind of experience compared to what kind of system, that kind of system that we have in Taiwan of course it's a clear choice so he want to emphasize again and again this is a time uh, through his own action he can uh, raise up the uh, people's uh, understanding of uh, the, the reality the real nature of communist government so that is becoming or oh, I think uh, in recent months uh, almost uh, uh, everybody's talked about him. Yeah, it's a hot topic. Uh, it, it, it's a prominent figure uh, at this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. a it's a good sign. Yeah. Since you have both experience working for Taiwan in Taiwan and in the U.S., I'm wondering what advice do you have for people who want to do work for Taiwan in the U.S. or overseas? Uh. The uh, people in Taiwan, uh, overseas, not only just in the USA, uh, they, as I mentioned earlier, we have uh, the so-called the, uh, Taiwanese associations uh, worldwide. Uh, people not only in the USA, uh, not only just limited in USA, but also in Japan, Europe, and uh, and uh, in South America, back in. Uh, many other countries. So, one thing I I, I can point out, like uh, just uh, maybe t- tomorrow, the Taiwanese uh, business, uh, the Worldwide Business Association, they have an organizations, the Worldwide. They are having an annual meeting in Kaohsiung. And in that meeting, they invited. They are inviting uh, the uh, former United States uh, Secretary, Secretary of State Pompeo uh, mm-hmm. to come over to give a speech. Uh, that's uh, going to be happening tomorrow in Kaohsiung. Mm-hmm. So this has been organized. This, this is uh, sponsored by the. The World Taiwanese uh, Business Associations. So they have the annual meeting once every year, and uh, tomorrow in Kaohsiung, yes. uh, the key speaker will be Mr. Uh, Pompeo. In yes. March, he, he he came to Taiwan uh, to give us a speech, and mm-hmm. our foundation sponsored uh, that kind of uh, speech in, in March. But uh, 
tomorrow they are coming over. So there's something uh, I think I can emphasize it here in Taiwan earlier uh, from historical point of view when United Kingdom was so powerful around the whole world people say uh, United Kingdom is uh, the sun is never fall sun is never set in United Kingdom uh, United Kingdom uh, sun never set Mm -hmm. uh, in the United Kingdom's territory. That means the uh, United Kingdom has so many uh, uh, their own colonies around the whole world. Everywhere was part of uh, United Kingdoms, uh, like India was one time also United Kingdoms, mm -hmm. Hong Kong was there, and many, many mm -hmm. other countries. So everywhere you see, there is all over sun there. Right. So that's this why is the a, sun never sets. Yes, yeah, sun never set uh, in 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 United Kingdom. But now people say here in Taiwan, sun never set because Taiwanese business people is spread around everywhere in Europe, in India, everywhere you see the Taiwanese businessmen there. So mm -hmm. as long as there is sunshine, there are Taiwanese people working. So this has become a real famous talk. Uh, so this is same token we apply. And so it, this is kind of uh, interesting, uh, uh, I think, phenomena. So that means the townspeople are spreading around everywhere. They are working. And in recent in recent uh, months or years, uh, because of China's uh, under Xi Jinping's policy, people are very fearful of uh, investment in China. So they they kind of uh, uh, try to 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 uh, retreat, it, try to pull off pull out from mainland China. So they return back to Taiwan. Then some of them move to uh, Vietnam. To India and so forth. So, but uh, overall, Taiwanese businessmen are still spread around everywhere under the sun. Mm -hmm. So, uh, meaning that, uh, well, yeah, presuming that these people care about the future of Taiwan and they want to advocate for Taiwan and they can be ambassadors for Taiwan all over the world. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I think this is kind of uh, a belief uh, each Taiwanese people has in mind because I think, uh, for instance, uh, early uh, in after end of Second World War, mm -hmm. uh, Taiwan received a tremendous support from USA. Yes. Uh, during that time, economic situation was so bad in Taiwan. And so uh, now Taiwan, relatively speaking, we are becoming uh, economically, we are becoming better, much, much better compared to what we had a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So Taiwanese people, generally speaking, we, we, we understand how to be grateful, how to be able to reciprocate uh, to the rest of the world. So uh, whenever... Uh, something happened, unfortunate situation happened in the, any part of the world. 
townspeople, Taiwanese government always comes to try to rescue, try to help them. Uh, like uh, 11 years ago, what happens in Japan, Taiwanese people's contribution was number one in the whole world. And back in 19, uh, I think it, uh, it's uh, back in 2004 or 2005, uh, there was a big earthquake in, 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 in uh, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Taiwanese government during that time I happened to be the Minister of Foreign Affairs. So I understand, I still remember quite well. So we, uh, we sent in a lot of uh, uh, monetary and uh, material uh, help to that part of the world. So we tried to, up, uh, you know, in the early days when we uh, were relatively poor, we received a grant, we received uh, help from yes. the, the other people, the rest of the world. But now we are in a position to be able to help. So I think uh, we want to contribute to reciprocate, and this is mm-hmm. a part of uh, our obligations, and so uh, that makes Taiwan great, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, if uh, Taiwan can um, reach out and support and offer mutual support, and we hope that we can continue this tradition, Yeah, that would be a great thing. Um yeah, okay. So I'm curious also in terms of um, since you have been a politician and also done advocacy work in, for Taiwan, um, do you have a preference like what type of work you've um, or maybe what in your career do you think has been the most meaningful? Well, I, <clears throat> I'm i getting uh, to this point uh, the, the retirement is, of, of course, <laughs> I should have retired yeah, a long time ago. you're long retired. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, as long as I'm still healthy and I'm still clear in my mind, uh, although I have some problem uh, hard healing uh, at this point, <laughs> so but I still manage to be able to contribute as much as I can. Yes. Uh, being, being a human being, uh, I always try to emphasize uh, what others do good to you, uh, you must be able to to return, uh, to reciprocate uh, what you received. In, if not equal, uh, you want to return more. And if mm-hmm. everybody has this kind of uh, thinking in mind and try to be able to make the whole world much more peaceful, try to minimize uh, the, 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 the turmoil. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, uh, depending on your own, uh, work, depending on your own occupation, if you are a politician, maintain peace and stability is your duty. Try to maintain peace, stability for the rest of the world. And if you are a businessman, you try to make more money, but then you want to build more hospitals, you try to contribute more to help out the poor. You know, quite often from television, you see so many people in Africa, they don't have water, mm-hmm. they don't have mm-hmm. food, and because they're facing the kind of situation that uh, uh, is going on in uh, Ukraine and uh, Russia, and uh, that impact in a negative way about the livelihood of people in Africa. So that sometimes, if you see that kind of information, make your heart feel real, real. Uh, pain, real pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So being a human being, uh, it is very important to always have, uh, keep in your mind. Uh, I like to do my best to do my job, then expand my ability to, if I can, to help out. And it, this is from the individual point of view. But from the government position also, if my country is becoming rich and we want to be able to take care through the United Nations or through some kind of organizations, we want to to share uh, some of the uh, things that uh, we think we can we can we can manage to contribute. So in the process, uh, we try to make a peaceful world uh, through a peaceful manner. Uh, that human being can live uh, on, on on this earth, uh, consider the earth as our big family, try to minimize or try to cut down uh, the unnecessary hazardous situation happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, we don't want war. We want peace and stability. And mm-hmm. that is my basic belief, yeah. Thank you very much. That's very inspiring. I can see like how you stay motivated with your work, and I want to thank you so much for everything yeah. that you do for Taiwan and for sharing that wise advice, those wise thoughts, because we are a global community, right, and we are all together. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having this kind of opportunity to talk to you. Please look yes. uh, me up. I've been speaking with Dr. Mark Chen about his work in Taiwan as an elected official, public servant, and chairman of the Prospect Foundation. If you haven't listened to part one of this interview, you can find it in episode 212. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by NATOA, the North America Taiwanese Women's Association. NATOA was founded in 1988 to evoke a sense of self-esteem and enhance women's dignity to oppose gender discrimination and promote gender equality, to fully develop women's potential and encourage their participation in public affairs, to contribute to the advancement of human rights and democratic development in Taiwan, to reach out and work with women's organizations worldwide to promote peace for all. To learn more about NATOA, visit their website www.natwa.com Now it's time for you to show us some love. We just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.